Okay, so uh, good morning, everybody. We have a wonderful weather to study inside. Um, we will start uh, the day with uh, a little experiment, a short experiment. So uh, please uh, sit uh, comfortably, close your eyes. And just become aware of what there is. We've been talking about the idea of having something which is temporary and having something which is eternal. And now we're going to check that it is indeed like this and we can experience it directly. I'm going to start with uh, a few sounds that I'm going to make. And I want you to observe that all the sounds are temporary. They have a beginning and an end. And they change, they are different sounds. But you, the one that is aware of the sound, or the different sounds, is exactly the same all the time. That only the sounds are changing. And so have this idea in mind and I'm going to do different sounds. continue to listen to the natural sounds that are around us and see that all the sounds have a beginning and an end they are temporary but you, the one who is aware of the sounds are always the same and you are not changing, it doesn't matter if it's the sound of the glasses or the sound of the rain or the clock this attention, take a deep breath and open your eyes. What did you discover? Were you able to see that the sounds are changing but you, the one that is aware of the sound, is the same and it doesn't even matter which sound you are aware of? Have you noticed this? Yeah? Good. So now let's take it more subtle level, okay? The same idea, but with something different. Again, please close your eyes. <clears throat> and now we're going to explore this, uh, uh, the thoughts and to see the temporary nature of the thoughts and the permanent nature of us aware of the thoughts. So uh, please uh, bring up the thought, oh, what a wonderful day. And you can see this thought has a beginning and an end, and you are aware of the thought. 
and now think, oh, what a horrible day. And now think, I feel great, I feel wonderful. And now think, I feel horrible. And see that the thoughts are changing, but you, aware of the thought, you stay the same, doesn't even matter what kind of thought it is. And now think, I am the greatest person alive. And now think I am the most horrible person alive. Now think uh, I love yoga. And now think uh, yoga is so boring. continue independently to create different thoughts, whatever. You can plan the day, you can think about the future, you can think about the past, whatever you want, and see that you all the time stay the same, only aware of the thoughts, and it doesn't matter what kind of thoughts they are, it doesn't affect you. You're only aware of the different thoughts, and all the thoughts have a beginning and an end. Release the thoughts, this attention, take a deep breath. When you feel ready, open your eyes. Okay, what did you discover? Were you able to bring different thoughts? Yeah? Have you seen that all the thoughts are the same and they have a beginning and an end? Did you notice that you, the one that is aware of the thought, is the same? Doesn't matter what kind of thought you are aware of? Huh? It is so. So easy to see it. This is exactly the idea of the cheat and the cheetah, the seer and what is seen. The one that sees is always the same. The perceiver is always the same. But what we perceive is always different. Different sound, different thoughts. Um, okay, you agree? Let's take it more subtle level. Okay, let's go emotional level. Let's see there. Again, close your eyes. And now think of something wonderful that happened to you in the past or something wonderful that is going to happen or that you are going to get something you really want. And see the feeling of this uh, good feeling that is spreading in the system. And see that you can be aware of this feeling. And now think of something that makes you angry. Some situation in the past 
that make you angry or imagine something that is going to happen that makes you angry and feel the anger coming up. And see that you are the one that is aware of the anger. The anger has a beginning and an end. But you, the one that is aware, is the same like the one that was aware of the nice feeling before. And now think of something that makes you sad. Imagine some, I don't know, a cat dead or whatever makes you sad. And again see how the feeling changes. But you, the one that is aware of the feeling, is exactly the same. Think of something uh, that makes you hopeful, that inspires you, and see the feeling that comes. And again, see that the feeling is now different, but you, the one that is aware of the feeling, is the same one like before. And now, continue independently. Just bring different feelings, whatever you are able to awaken yourself. Different feelings. And see how all the feelings are different. How all of them have a beginning and an end. But you, the one that is aware of the feelings, are com- is always the same. You are the same one that is aware. Take a deep breath. When you feel ready, open your eyes. <coughs> hmm? What do you say? Same? More difficult? Uh-huh. It's a little bit more difficult because more subtle and more identification there. But were you able to see different feelings? Were you able to bring up different feelings? Hmm? Did you notice that you are the, the one that is aware of the different feelings? this artificially, this uh, different emotions, and this may be causing a little bit uh, difficult to experience it. But imagine in daily life I don't have to make artificial feelings and still think, uh, how many different feelings did you have during your life? Endless emotions. Did you die every time one emotion was over? Or did you survive? What do you think? There was always something surviving, always something that was aware that now there is this emotion 
And now there is another emotion, and now there is another emotion. There was something that continued all the time and staying the same. And so this is the idea what yoga wants us to realize, that we are the ones that are aware. We are not the different emotions. But do we behave like this in the daily life? That we are the ones that are aware of the emotions? Or do we think we are changing with the different emotions? We usually think we are changing with the different emotions. And if I have sadness, I, feel, I think I am sad and then now there is a problem or I am happy. But if always there is sadness, there is happiness, there is anger, there is fear, there is excitement. But I actually stay exactly the same. Any questions about this? Any ideas? So we have one more thing to explore here and to go a little bit more to put uh, focus on the awareness itself and to check what kind of feeling is there, what is the nature of this awareness. So let's again close uh, the eyes. And uh, please bring up uh, anger. I think... Imagine a situation when somebody is really upsetting you or something is really upsetting you and you become angry and let yourself be angry. Nothing will happen. And let yourself be angry. And you can check that you can see that you can feel this anger in the body. The feeling is in the body, in the breath, in the mind. Everything becomes angry. And tell yourself the sentence, I am angry. And feel, I am angry. And now tell yourself the sentence, I am aware of anger. And see what happens if something is changing. I am aware of the anger. And now check in this place when you say, I am aware of the anger, what is there? What kind of feeling is there? Take a deep breath. And now think about something that makes you happy. Again, bring happiness. Well, in whatever means you imagine something good that happens or something hap good that happened in the past. And bring this happy feeling. And see that you can experience it in the body, in the breath, in the mind. And think, I am happy. And see how it goes all over the system. I am happy. And now think, I am aware of happiness. And see what happens.
and check in this I am aware, what kind of feeling is there now? I am aware. And then take a deep breath. And now let's bring one more strong emotion. So it can be fear, for example, or you can bring excitement. Think about something that uh, very exciting that, uh, I don't know, is going to happen or something that makes you fear. And let the system uh, experience fear or big excitement. Again, see that you could feel it in the body, in the breath, in the in the pulse, in the mind. And think, if you are experiencing fear, think, I am afraid. Or think, I am excited. And see how it engulfs the whole system. And now think, I am aware of fear. I am aware of excitement. And see what happens. And what kind of feeling is there when you say, I am aware, or when you become aware? feel ready, please open the eyes. Okay, what did you discover? Nothing. Hmm. Anybody else? Was there a difference between saying I am afraid or I am angry and between I am aware of anger or I am aware of fear? Did anybody experience any difference? There was a little bit uh, distance. Mm-hmm. Very good. Mm-hmm. You can see that like the anger becomes an object yeah. and you are observing it. Yeah, there's space uh-huh. between them. Very good. <coughs> and what kind of feeling is there in the aware? I am aware. What kind of feeling is there? Is there still anger there? It's neutral. It's neutral. Very good. This is what is called equanimity. And this is the place where yoga wants to bring us. When we become aware of all the changing emotions, all the changing thoughts, and in that place, there is this quiet that we are looking for. And is this uh, equanimity or peace of mind, um, is it temporary? The moment you become aware, is this changing? Or is this always, when you will become aware, there will be this equanimity? We have checked it with different emotions. What did you discover? 
Was it the same uh, feeling every time you became aware? There is exactly the same feeling there. And remember we have talked about Satchit Ananda, this feeling of I, I exist, I am aware, and there is some kind of bliss, some kind of quiet feeling. And this is the thing, this is the quality of awareness. And in this process of yoga, this is exactly what we want. We want to be established in that, to realize this is really who we are. We are not the changing emotions. We are not the changing thoughts, but we are the ones that are aware of the thoughts. And now, um, does it help you that I say all this? Are you going to be there? <laughs> or does it something, is it something that we have to practice in order to be there? I think for me the language was really the problem because mm-hmm. I don't speak English with myself. Mm-hmm. Then so you I had to translate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Translate what is aware, aware mm-hmm. as English and then say it to myself. And that made it really mm-hmm. difficult. Uh-huh. Yes. Voisiko sen saada sen sanan uudestaan, mikä Galit sanoi, että tämä on pitkä sana suomeksi? Tatsit, Let's say when you uh, take distance and mm. feel this calmness in yourself, mm-hmm. the word equanimity. Equanimity. Yeah. It is like that. Uh, can you write it? Oh, I don't know exactly how to spell it, but it what is it in uh, Finnish? This is a new word for me. Something it's like balance. Balance. It is a neutrality. You know, it is uh, this uh, uh, like to be in a uh, peace of mind. I am still excited, there is still anger, there is still happiness, but my approach to it is this approach of equanimity. I myself, I am aware of it, and there is not this, there is no turbulence there. There is this, uh, like a quiet lake, like that. And I see, okay, there are waves in the mind, there are different sensations, but I am in peace, in equanimity, uh, like equality. It's from this uh, idea of to be equal. And uh, for example, the text, the Bhagavad Gita, um, talks a lot about that. It says the yogi is a person that has equal approach towards uh, heat and cold, towards happiness and sadness, towards uh, pain and joy, towards um, a piece of gold and a piece of stone. He has equal approach. This is the idea of equanimity. So it's Yeah, but it's, it's deeper than balance because balance is, can be a state of mind. But this is like something that uh, is from the fact that I am aware, there is this unchanging thing. Okay? The things that are changing are always the things that I can observe. But the observer has this uh, characteristic of being stable. He doesn't change when everything changes. Sounds a bit boring. Sometimes I think I prefer suffering. Yeah, it's not a problem. Uh, The yoga starts, the journey starts with this. When we want to avoid the suffering. And before that, if a person likes to suffer, uh, he's still attached to the suffering, then the yoga is not for him. 
And uh, we only start really yoga when we say, okay, uh, enough of this experience of suffering, we want to go beyond. And um, there is, uh, in this place, to be aware, you will still be happy, you will still be angry, you will still be many things, but you will be aware of them, and they will not be the ones that direct your, um, your uh, actions. For example, today, if I have a, an argument with my uh, partner, and he makes me angry, <coughs> this angry, anger will uh, decide my action. For example, I will shout at him. But what is the point to shout at another person? Is it going to, do our, uh, to make our uh, relationship better? Is it going to make my partner happy if I shout at him? Oh, is it going to make me happy? No point in that. So I can still be angry, but I will be able to act in awareness. I will be able to tell him, look, you've done this, this is not comfortable for me, let's solve this. But then everything changes in our life. It's no more these uh, actions that are based on um, what yoga calls afflictions, or these uh, um, big forces that are working inside us. And I think then you don't go so deep in your emotions. Oh, on the contrary, they will finally be complete. They will be very, very deep. Because today, when you, for example, when you feel fear today, how much do you allow yourself to feel fear? Hmm? Immediately we try to stop it. Or when we are sad, immediately we try to stop it. Uh, in the yoga state, when I am in equanimity towards it, I am aware, I can finally experience fear completely. Because I know it is not affecting me. And, um, okay. yeah, and one of the things I work with a lot of people with an anxiety. Today this is a big, big problem in Israel. And one of the things that I teach them is to be able to experience fear. Because the problem with people with an anxiety is that they start to fight it immediately. They don't want to be there. But when they learn to be there, and they will see the whole cycle of fear, how it comes up, how it goes uh, how it is sustained and also how it disappears and finally they will be able to live with fear without having to um, act according yeah. to that but you don't mix your, your in, inside your other feeling yes. you don't mix them yeah. Yeah. well you discover they have never actually been mixed mm. You know, mm. they have always been two separated yeah. things yeah. the awareness, the purusha and the prakriti have always been two separated things, like uh, me and my car, we are separated from each other. The same goes, me and my mind, we are separated from each other. But I can use my mind to act in the world. Yes. I, th I can relate to what Kimo said, because it seems that a life with uh, awareness to feelings is a little bit boring. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, okay, now I'm free and I'm happy, now I'm in anxiety, uh, it's maybe I want to stay with my feelings and to be like on a roller coaster. I don't know. You can do that if you want to suffer. There is not a problem. I will not tell you not to do that. But you will see that life will be much more interesting when you will be free to do what you want. Because then you can go traveling, then you can go be meet people, then you can go climbing mountains and still feeling everything. Today, you're many people's life are boring because they feel fear and they don't do anything so they don't go out of the house. Okay, so you will have the freedom to act in the world. You're not going to be bored at all. On the contrary, your life is going to be full of stuff. You want to yes, I understand what you're saying. So instead of uh, becoming boring, your life uh, will be more 
and like you can uh, fully uh, feel without trying to uh, stop it. So it's more interesting. You can feel the well, variety of emotions. I have to work with this mm -hmm. and understand the, the, the mm -hmm. issue. Mm -hmm. So you can feel more uh, from the safe place. You can feel and you can be aware of your feelings. Mm -hmm. What are the methods that I can get rid of about perhaps this fear? Why do you need to get rid of something? Uh, yeah, if I am uh, perhaps alone in a house and suddenly I am so afraid, so what, what can I do? You don't need to do anything. This is exactly what the Tanaka teaches you. Feel fear. It's not going to kill you. It is temporary. It comes up and it goes down. That is all. Today, when I don't understand the nature of feelings and I think that they are constant and they are me, then when I feel fear, I have to immediately stop it. So I call my friend, I turn all the lights on, I do some things not to feel the fear. But in the yoga state, I can feel fear and I say, of course, if there is darkness and there are creepy sounds in the house, fear can be there, why not? You will not have to act according to your emotions anymore. You will have the freedom to act according to what you want to do in life. Uh, but what can I do that they, this fear doesn't uh, make me like, so that I can't do anything? Oh, you will be aware. The mm. moment you are aware of the fear, yes. the fear can be there and you will still be free to act with awareness because mm. you are yourself, you are in equanimity. So there is fear and still I can do what I want. But there could be very dangerous ma ma mice, mouse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, this fear thing, I see it a lot with uh, people, they, um, for example, they get some uh, I don't know, new project to do or something or to go on a trip and they of, of course, part of it is to feel fear and because people are not willing to feel fear they say, oh I cannot do this project I'm not going to take this trip I'm not going to do this and they reject a lot of things in the, uh, their life or they don't go into a relationship because they have the fear to get hurt and only because of fear but the minute they understand that they can experience fear and to be aware of the fear and the fear is different than them, then they can do the new project together with the fear. They can go traveling together with the fear. They can be in a new relationship together with the fear. Fear stops to be a problem for us. And finally we can experience this and still have the, and gain the freedom to do whatever we want. This is the idea. And one thing you can do uh, in a moment of fear, uh, just to create this... Uh space between your emotion and yourself is contact with your breathing. So you can mm -hmm. use the methodology we use in the asana and pranayama practices. That's a good tool also. Um, any more ideas, questions concerning this? Yes. Just I checked. It's Dunesh, male and Dunesh in Finnish. Economics. More questions? Okay, so, you want to say something? Uh, the thought is not completed. Oh, okay, so, there is one thing to just experience this like this, to do this little experiment and to talk about it, but according to Yoda, this is not enough. This, to talk about it analytically like this is not enough. We have to practice, we have to transform our whole mind and our system 
to be able to gain this knowledge as a direct experience. But eventually, the whole of yoga, and we are going to get to this, is to understand this differentiation between us and the mind, whatever goes in the mind. And when we have this as a complete knowledge, no longer any thought of mind in the mind, any memory, any trauma, anything will bother you because you will understand that it is completely different than you and you will be free to act in the world to achieve the good that you want and the mind can do whatever it wants. You will not be bothered by that. And I can tell you that from my own experience and my students' experience that the system really works. But it has to go through practice. It is not enough that I tell you this and you say, okay, okay. You have to transform and uh, gain this as a direct experience. Next time when I am feeling the fear, I call you. <laughs> I will, uh, you will not need to call me because I'm going to give you a very good technique of how to uh, work with that and you will be able to apply it independently. Uh, but this will come later. Any other questions? Yesterday we have started uh, to see the text Yoga Sutra, how uh, this idea, this model of suffering appears there. And we saw that uh, Patanjali tells us that the wise man says that in everything there is the potential for suffering. We are no longer deluded by the thought that uh, uh, something can give me infinite joy. Even if I have now the best chocolate in the world, when I see the chocolate, I know in this same chocolate there is suffering. Why? Oh, I, I, I eat one piece of chocolate and it gives me the biggest joy in the world, but I know that this joy has a potential for suffering. Why? Because it is temporary. And because it will change and then I will have craving for another piece of chocolate. Or because this chocolate can... Uh, it, it doesn't have the essence of good and it can give me toothache, it can give me stomach ache, it can give me many things. So there is, although I have this feeling of joy, this feeling of joy is temporary and it can easily change into suffering. So for the wise person, we know everything in suffering. Now does it mean that we are not going to enjoy the world anymore? Hmm? We are still going to enjoy it. But we are not going to be deluded that this is going to be my ultimate joy. I still do many things, but I know when I do them that it's going to transform. I'm not, I don't have the delusion that this is going to be uh, how I'm going to achieve my, uh, the best uh, life. And I see it many times, especially with young people. We have the idea, for example, that if only I have money or if only I achieve this, then I will be the happiest person in the world. Or oh, I see it with many young women in Israel. If only I have babies, I'm going to be the happiest person in the world. And all of them do that with this crazy idea that this is what is going to give them lasting joy. And all of them are disappointed after some time when they realize, my God, it's a lot of suffering there. So we can still do all these things, but don't expect these things to give you ultimate joy. You want ultimate joy? Where do you have to go? Where would you find that? In your own true nature. Just discover who you are and you, find, you will find the ultimate joy that you want. But everything which is external to you will never give you ultimate joy. It will give you temporary joy and sometimes it will come into suffering. Okay? So this is the wise people. They see life like that. And then Patajali tells us 
the avidya, this association between us and the mind, not being able to differentiate between Purusha and Patriti, between Chit and Chita, this is the source why we suffer. This is the wrong knowledge that we have and this is why we suffer. And he says it very clearly in this sutra. And then he says, but don't worry, you can get a state of Kaivalya, uh, uh, you can be in a place where there is uh, not this confusion anymore and to go beyond the source of suffering. And when we, concerning this part, when we saw this, we also saw the model of the clashes, remember? How our uh, lack of knowledge goes, makes us to identify with everything that goes in the mind and then we always want pleasant feeling, we don't want an unpleasant feeling and then all the time we have this struggle trying to hold the pleasant feeling, trying to reject the unpleasant feeling. Do you think you can sustain life without ever feeling unpleasant feelings? Nobody ever succeeded in that. Do you think you can uh, attain life that you will always hold a pleasant feeling in your mind? Never ever. Okay, so why to continue this suffering? Okay, let's go to the root of that and fix it. And then we arrive here at number four. Viveka Yati. Viveka is differentiation. And the knowledge that comes from discrimination, from having a clear mind and being able to see exactly what we have experienced now, that there is one aspect of us that is aware all the time and it is not changing, and then there is another aspect of us that is changing all the time and can have different sensations, different thoughts, different emotions. This is Viveka Kati, and he says this is the way to be released from suffering. Why? Why is this the way to release from suffering? Because if we have the right knowledge, then we don't have the wrong knowledge. And if we don't have the wrong knowledge, then there is no reason to suffer. Okay, remember this. This is very important. And so if I have the right knowledge, then no reason for wrong knowledge. And he talks about it nicely in Sutra uh, chapter 2, Sutra 26. He says something very nice. Let's see. He says, the means of this cessation, the cessation of this, uh, this, uh, no, this avidya or this non-differentiation between us and the mind, the means of this cessation reside within a serene and complete discrimination between the seer and the sin. And, what, uh, and he uses the sutra starts with the word viveka kyati. So viveka kyati is the means the, to be released from this avidya. And the moment we are released from avidya, then we are released from suffering. So here he talks about that. And then he says, to get right knowledge, what do we need? We need a clear mind. Okay, without clear mind, we are not going to get right knowledge. And this state of clear mind is called samadhi, or we can call it samyama, the way, uh, this uh, ability to look at things and to grasp their true nature. And he talks about this uh, in Sutra, in chapter 3, Sutra 4 and 5. 
He said, hmm. he said, when we are in the state of Samadhi, uh, this is Sutra 3.3. He says, when we are in the state of Samadhi, we see the things as they are. We can see the things as they are. And then, in the Sutra number 4, 3.4, he says, uh, when this, uh, when we do concentration and meditation and we reach the state of samadhi, these three techniques together, when they are constant and we do this, it's to say that when we investigate into something very deeply, if I manage to look at it for a long time, all of this process is called samyama. And he uses this word samyama. In the, in the, uh, chapter 3, sutra number 4, he says samyama is the um, collection of this uh, concentration, meditation, and samadhi. And then in Sutra number 5, it says something wonderful. It says, infinite and radiant, uh, radiant wisdom results from this. So when we are able to use the mind in the state of samadhi and to investigate deep into the nature of things, we will get complete wisdom. And this is the idea. This is the changing of the knowledge. But we have to have clear mind to do that and we have to know how to use the mind to get the true knowledge of things and not the, and not the conditioned knowledge that we have today. So we have to have this clear eye. So, Sutra 3.3 and 3.4 and 3.5 talks about this. <laughs> Kolme, kun meditaatio on täydellinen, siitä seuraa yksilön tila. Yksilön tilassa on vain kohde, subjekti on hävinnyt. Tämä kolmonen, nelonen. Edelliset kolme vaihetta, keskittyminen, rana, meditaatio, diana ja yksilön tila samatkin muodostavat täydellisen tietoisuuden tilan samjama. Ja viisi täydellisen tietoisuuden tilan samjama ansiosta tulee esiin todellinen tiedon valo. Okay. But, uh, of course, our minds are not in this state yet, so we have to do some kind of process to get into Samadhi. And then he talks about the process in uh, Sutra, in Chapter 2, Sutra 27 and 28. And he says, um, um, sorry, 26 and 28, he says, uh, Uh, sorry, 28 and 29, he says, through the removal of impurities, this is 2.28, through the removal of impurities, thanks to the firm establishment of the limbs of yoga, the light of wisdom radiates until absolute discrimination comes into being. Okay, so when we are uh, uh, putting, uh, when we practice the eight limbs of yoga, the final of them we will see later is samadhi, then when we do that, we get, we develop samadhi, this clear mind, and then we will get the wisdom, the viveka prati, that was necessary before, the knowledge. And then in 2.29, he gives the complete uh, uh, list of the different techniques of yoga, of the eight limbs of yoga, and they are yama, niyama, asana, pranayama, pratyahara, dharana, dhyana, and samadhi. These are the eight limbs of yoga, and we are going to discuss them 
further later, so I'm not going to explain all of them now. But it results in samadhi. When you practice the way, you will eventually get samadhi, that state of clear mind, and from that you can uh, get the wisdom that you need. Um, so 28 and 29. <laughs> Mm. Any questions, remarks? Okay, so uh, what we are going to do, because uh, now we have to <laughs> take all of this and see, well, we are going to go through all the chapters of the Yoga Sutra and see how all of this is uh, talked about in the text. We are going to uh, choose some sutras and go uh, into them more deeply. Then before we start this, we better take the break now. A uh, 10 minutes break is, is enough. And then we continue. So uh, and, uh, here's a list of emails if you like to have these recordings. We continue the journey. Any questions before we continue? So a short uh, uh, deeper explanation about the relationship between us and the mind will help to uh, uh, to help us understand uh, exactly the sutras when we come to meet them. This is us, what Shantia calls Purusha. In English we can call it uh, awareness or consciousness. In the Yoga Sutra many times they uh, translate it as the seer. Um, we can call it chit, also the consciousness or the vashtu. All these names are coming to uh, say exactly the same thing. There is something, someone that for that uh, lives in the city, awareness that is uh, using. We are going to say exactly what and. The quality is that this is eternal and this is unchanging. And this is like to say, uh, this is the real I, the real self. When uh, maybe in text you saw that they write self with big S, with a capital S, the true self. This is this thing, this is us. In order to, um, or let's say it like this, in life we cannot, uh, we cannot move through life, or we cannot, we don't have a life without a spaceship, without an instrument or a city which we live in, and from this city or through this instrument we observe the world, we get knowledge about the world, we can sustain life. So we have this kind of instrument. And we do like this, which they call Pakriti, or we can call it mind, or the thing, or Chitta. This is changing, or Rishtu. This is changing all the time, this is temporary. 
changing and this is our instrument our tool and this is the little self and this is what they call uh, not the true self you know this uh, uh, I don't know how to say it in English but uh, we think it is the self it is us but it's not us it is only little self it is our instrument and it is through this instrument through this mind that we perceive the world and the world with the different things in the world this is like different objects and this will be the world with the different objects and we think very clearly how there is this medium between us and the world for example um, imagine you are going with another with a friend and you meet a person you know this person you know that this person is uh, I don't know the most uh, the greatest uh, teacher in the world an enlightened person you know this about this person and your friend know nothing about this person and you're going together and you meet this person uh, are you going to have the same reaction towards this person no you are going to be very excited when you see this enlightened being coming towards you and uh, your friend is going to be okay here's another person that we meet there is not going to be any special reaction but is the person the same person the person is only one it is only one object but the experience of the person how I experience the person depends on what is there in the mind or how my mind is and according to that I will uh, say oh it was a wonderful meeting so exciting meeting or the other person will say will not even recollect this meeting it will be just another thing that happened um, you understand this example so it is not the person that is uh, that uh, determines how I experience him but the knowledge I have or the state of mind that I have another example that uh, helps us understand um, I have uh, my life is uh, can be exactly the same from one day to the other but depends on my state of mind this is how I will experience my life so if I woke up in the morning in depression although my life are completely the same and the sun is shining and everything my still the same husband the same children everything the same I will not experience it like this as it is I will experience it through my depression through my state of mind and it will be a horrible day although everything is the same like yesterday and if I wake up with a I don't know a happy state of mind then I will experience everything is wonderful and amazing although it is just depending on the state of mind what there is is exactly like has been yesterday so we don't have direct perception of the world all our perception of the world is through this instrument that is called mind um, another good example I can give uh, can you move in the world without legs Huh? exactly you can have some other instrument to move in the world but without an instrument can you move in the world 
No, and you will see it. If we have legs, we use the legs to move in the world. If I, am, uh, if I lose my legs, I'm going to have a wheelchair. I'm going to create some kind of instrument to help me move in the world. The same goes to see the world. I need eyes to see the world. If I don't have eyes, I'm not going to see the world. The same goes with the mind. I need a mind to be able to perceive the world. If I don't have a mind, I don't perceive the world. And we see it uh, with people that are unconscious. Um, do you know how they check if a person is conscious or not? It's very nice. They do, um, uh, for example, they press some pressure points to create pain in the person, or they shout the name of the person, or they clap the hands very near the ears to see if they get some kind of reaction. And if there is not reaction from the person, then we say this person is unconscious. What does it mean? The mind is not active. So there is no perception of the world. I am touching it, but it cannot feel it. I am shouting the name, but it cannot hear me. Because the mind is not active at that moment. So there is no perception in the world, of the world. So every moment that we perceive the world, we perceive it only because the mind is active. We cannot perceive the world not through the mind. Do you understand this idea? Okay. And now, imagine the mind, this thing, like a lake. Okay. When the water of the lake is clear and steady, what will uh, be the result? And you're looking through the lake, what will you be able to see? What is beyond the water? You will, have, will, you will be able to see the ground of the lake and the fish and the stone and the plants that is inside the lake. Right? You have this image in the... Imagine yourself sitting on the side of the lake. So when the water is clear, completely clear, in their pure state, and there is no movement, you can see exactly uh, uh, through the water and to see the ground and the fish and the plants as they are. And now imagine yourself sitting on the bank of the lake and now the wind comes. What happens? <coughs> Starts waving the lake. And you're watching the ground of the lake. What will happen in that moment? Can't see. Very good. It will immediately disappear. And what will you become aware of? What will you see? You'll still see something. The surface. The, the waves mm -hmm. on the lake. Okay? So, in the first moment when the lake was clear and steady, you were able to see through the lake what is there. And then waves started, and now you cannot longer see what is there, but you see the waves of the lake. Right? This is what you see. And you see this uh, distorted image of the bottom. Okay? You, still, like, you see the ground moving like this, and something you see, but it is a distorted image. You have this idea? And now imagine, you are still sitting on the side of the lake, there is no, one, uh, no uh, wind, the water is completely steady, but now uh, somebody puts, I don't know, mud or sewage in the water, and all the water becomes brown. brown. What will happen? Will you be able to see the, the, the ground through the water? No. What will you see? Very good. You will see the dirt of the water. Right? You will see the colored water. And immediately what you have seen before disappears. So these are the three states of mind that we can have. In the first state, when the mind is clear and steady, 
This is the samadhi state. Remember we talked the samadhi? All we can say we can say it has the quality of sattva. It means that the mind is as it is, in its most pure state. Uh, if we talk about the mind as an instrument, it is the state of the mind like it now came out of the factory. Think about your car. When was your car in the most perfect state? The most likely like the car is the minute it came out of the factory. The minute you started to drive it, it started to collect a little bit of dust and dirt and it's already not, uh, no longer it's in its original state. And when we say sattva mind, we mean the mind in its original state. Mind that will reflect the world as it is. It will not do any distraction. But our mind is not always like this. Sometimes our mind is moving. It creates a wave. And this is called rajasic mind. In this example that I gave of the lake, it's this, the wind creating these little waves on the lake. And then immediately, I will not see the world as it is, but I will see the movement of the mind. And I will see a distorted image of the world. Do you have this understanding? And there is another state of mind when my mind not it's not in movement, but it is dirty. It is uh, covered with something, or it is mixed with another thing. This is called tamasic state of mind. And then when my mind is in this state, I do not at all see the ground. I only see the color, the field. And, um, but maybe I think I see the ground, but actually it is not the ground. It is the color that the water now has, or the dirt there is now in the water. And sometimes our mind like this, it doesn't reflect us the world at all. It only shows us the content of the mind. For example, in the state of depression, this is exactly the state of mind. The mind becomes so dark that when the person looks outside and looks, the sun is shining, the person will not see it. Have you ever been in depression or you know people in depression? Everything is dark. Everything is ugly. They cannot see anything as it is. So this is a, this is a state of mind. If we want right knowledge of the world, what state of mind do we want to achieve? Sattva. Do you think naturally our mind will stay like this? Yeah. No. Why not? Because food. Okay, because of food. What else? Stop the wind. Very good. Because there are outer influences. Okay? Life is happening all the time. Like any other instrument that I am using, the instrument is influenced by the thing it comes in contact with. My hands are influenced by the things that they come in contact with. If I all the time work in the ground, I'm going to have these dark hands and very rough ones. They're going to be influenced. So the same the mind. The mind is always influenced by whatever we eat, whatever we see, whatever we hear. Uh, for example, if I have a very busy life and I have to plan a lot of things, then my mind becomes with a lot of movement. Do you know this situation in life when you have a lot of responsibilities? And then when you want to go to sleep, what does your mind do? 
it keeps on moving and moving and moving and people cannot sleep because of that. Of course, you've been thinking all day, you have to change the state of, my, of your mind if you want to sleep. Hey, or if I am, um, I don't know, uh, going into depression or doing this, then the mind becomes very dull, very dark, and I cannot use it also. So life will make my mind with the influence of Rajas, with the influence of Tamas, and I will have to do something to bring it back to this original state as much as possible. So it will again reflect the world as it is. This is the whole idea of uh, the practice of yoga, to bring back the mind to, um, to a state where I can use it, so it will show me the world as it is, and is it only the world that I want it to show me? What else? <coughs> Remember what we have to achieve? We have to achieve this Viveka Kyati. What is the Viveka Kyati? To see the difference between me and the mind and the world. I want to see the difference between what is eternal and what is changing. So I will have to use my mind to make it clear. So it will show me the difference between me and the changing world. And then uh, I will have the knowledge that I want. So I'm going to make this mind very, very good condition. And then I'm going to use it to investigate into the difference between myself and the world. This is the idea. Any questions? I want to ask about uh, the difference between a clear mind and trying not to feel. Mm-hmm. Okay, because it's a little bit confusing. Uh, if you said if I'm depressed, if I have a lot of worries, sometimes I, I don't come, don't come worries, don't come anger, don't come fear. So it will keep my mind clear, but I'm not feeling it. No, this is not the idea. The idea is not okay. if I need to reject something to stop something. This is not the clear mind. The clear mind will tell me. Anyway, whatever is going on here is different than me. So actually everything can happen. But when I am in this state, when I understand that I am different than this, then depression can be there. And when depression comes and I am in the clear state of mind, or I, I know, I have the knowledge that the depression is different than me, how long do you think the depression will last? How long does a state of mind last? About five seconds. Mm-hmm. Really? Five seconds. Yeah, yeah. And then I can see all oh, depression is coming. I will feel this feeling. And then if I am aware, I will see that immediately after this feeling comes the thought, oh, I am in depression. But the thought, I am in depression, and the feeling of depression are already two different things. And then if I am aware, uh, the next thought that will come will say, Oh, I am aware of the thought of depression and the feeling of depression. And the thought I am aware is already very different than the depression and the feeling of depression, or the thought that I am depressed. And so everything, I will see how temporary everything is in the mind. And then everything can exist. But before that, I will have to, to be able to experience life like this, I will have to be, to, uh, to be able to do some kind of process, some kind of practice on the mat to uh, create a clear state of mind 
so I can investigate when my mind is clear into the nature of myself and the mind, and then I will be able to use this knowledge in the daily life when everything becomes a mess. This is the idea. <laughs> Any other questions? So have this idea in mind, and now we're going to look in the sutras and see exactly how Patanjali talks about this idea through all of this process. Ready? Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, so we start. We start from the beginning, and we're going to go through the what I find important sutras for our learning here. And we start from the first chapter. What is the name of the first chapter? Remember? Samadhi Pada. So what are we going to talk, what is Patanjali going to talk about in the first chapter? Very good. He's going to define, define what is the state of clear mind and to talk about this, the characteristic of this Samadhi, of the state of clear mind. And we start from the second sutra, first chapter, second sutra. And he says the very famous sutra that all of us know, Yoga Ha Chitta Vritti Niroda Ha. And I'm even going to write it because it is so important. about here? What do you think? The word yoga refers to what? Samadhi Pada. It refers to this. This is, now he gives definition of this yoga, this Samadhi, because I can say when the mind is in a state of Samadhi, I am in a state of yoga. But this is not the complete way of yoga. We will see that there are many yogas on the way. For example, this is also yoga, the techniques. I also call it yoga. And this state of Samadhi, I also call yoga. So now he says yoga, this state of Samadhi, is the characteristic of this state, what defines this state, the characteristic of this state, is that the mind movement has ceased. This is the state of Samadhi. Explain me this sutra, what do you understand? What do you understand? The state of Samadhi is when this mind is no longer creating waves. Okay? It is still and clear like this example of the lake. And this is the idea. So it says the state of Samadhi is when there is no movement in the mind. The, all the movements have stopped. What is the movement in the, in the mind? Can you give me examples? What are movements in the mind? In the mind? Feelings, thoughts. Very good. Every feeling, every thought, every emotion, every uh, craving, every aversion, everything that goes on in the system is a wave in the mind. When uh, these waves are active, remember the, um, 
the example of the leg. When the leg has waves, what am I going to see? Only the waves. This is what happens in regular life. Our mind is creating all this movement, all these vrittis, and we are aware only of the vrittis. Okay, this becomes our life. But he says, in the state of yoga, in the state of samadhi, the waves of the mind are have stopped, have ceased. Okay? Does it mean that we have no mind? No. We still have mind, only that it is not moving. This is the idea. Okay? So this is very important sutta. And uh, I want to say, many times they teach as if this is the definition of yoga. This is not the definition of yoga. This is only part of uh, the state of samadhi. When he talks about yoga here, he means the state of the samadhi. It is not the complete process of yoga. The complete process of yoga goes through all the different chapters here. All of them are yoga. Okay, so this he only defines what samadhi is. And then in the third sutra, the sutra that follows, he says, look how nice, he says, uh, in this state, when the movement of the mind ceases, the seer, the purusha, drashtu, is established in its own nature. It is seen in its own nature. It is established in its own nature. What do you understand from that? When the mind is not moving, I will be able to perceive the myself as I am. But as long as the mind is moving, I see the movement of the mind. Um, we can give a good example. Imagine uh, now the mind is a mirror. Okay? You have the mirror. And now imagine that the mirror has a few, just like the lake, it has a few states. It can be clear and steady. It can be moving all the time. Imagine the mirror moving all the time. Or it can be dirty. It can be covered with mud. When will you be able to see your face as you are? Only when the mirror is steady and clean. So this is the idea. So the minute my mind is steady and clean, it will show my true face. It will show the purusha as it is. Why do I need to see the purusha as it is? Why do I need to see, the, to see myself as I am? Why do I need to see the seer? Because this Viveka Keti. Because I need the knowledge of who I am and what the mind is. So I must be able to perceive myself. I must be able to see the consciousness. And to see, uh, to have the mind clear enough so I can perceive myself. And then, uh, okay, so it is when the, there is a state of samadhi, when there is the state of clear mind, when the mind is no longer moving, then we can see ourselves as we are. And then in the next sutra, in number four, he's going to say uh, what is happening when we don't, when the mind is not in this state of uh, niroda. And he says, in other circumstances, when the movement of the mind, when the vrittis are active, when the movement of the mind didn't stop, then the seer, yeah, the purusha, is identical to the movements of the mind. Do you know this uh, state? Can you explain it to me? 
then the seer, we, are identical with the movement of the mind. What is this state? This is our daily. When you mix the purusa and the prakriti. Uh-huh. When you? Mix uh-huh. purusa and prakriti. Yes, very good. And in daily life, when do we see this happening? Very good. Very good. Very good. It's all the time. All the time we identify ourselves with the movements of the mind. Hey, there is happiness, I think I am happy. There is sadness, I think I am sad. I identify myself with the thought I am a yoga teacher. I am a great yoga teacher. I am a horrible yoga teacher. I am good. I am bad. I am this. I am that. Every time there is a movement of the mind, it immediately, I think, this is me. It becomes completely identical. Um, I can give you a good example of how this works. Uh, imagine you have um, some kind of a, a light bulb. Yeah, this thing that creates light. Yeah, and this uh, creates light. Okay? And now I put here blue color on the glass of this. And then if I ask you what color is the light, what are you going to say? The light is blue. But actually, what color is the light? White. Exactly. The light did not change the color. The color belongs now to the glass. And now I put red color on the glass. And I ask you what is the color of the light? What are you going to say? You're going to say red. But actually, it is exactly the same light. The light did not change the color. It only the glass has changed. But we are so quickly to think that the light changed the color. Same goes with ourselves. We are the one that perceives. But the minute there is perception, there is some color on our mind, happiness, sadness, fear, whatever, immediately I think the light, myself, I have changed position, I have changed a state. But actually it is only the color, the state of the mind that has changed. I am, the, like the light, stayed exactly the same. I was not the one that changed. You understand this idea? So, in the state of Samadhi, I will understand my true nature. Any other time when the mind, when the Chitta Vritti are active, I will think that I am the uh, the movement of the mind. I am the different sensation and thoughts and feelings in the mind. So, as long as the vrittis are not in iroda, as long as they are active, I will not be able to see myself. So, the first step in yoga is to be able to develop this state. And we're going to see exactly how we are going to develop samadhi. But we will have to be able to develop this state if we, have to, if we want to have a glimpse of who we really are. Otherwise, we will always keep identifying ourselves with the movements of the mind. Are the movements of the mind going to stop voluntarily? Hmm? No. We will have to do some special effort to make them stop. This is why we need the yoga practices. Because if I only let my mind to do what it wants, it's going to create more movement and more movement and more movement. I have to make some kind of special effort 
to uh, stop the movement for a short while? Does it mean that my mind now should never create any movement? It is only for this investigation, for a short period of time to be able to investigate. I don't need to be in Samadhi all the time. This is not the idea. Only to be able to create this state temporarily, to be able to see the difference between me and the mind. And after that, the mind can, uh, I finished my uh, investigation, then the mind again creates the thoughts and the feelings and whatever, but I will already know who I am. This idea is clear? Any questions? Okay. So they are least what I am not. Uh-huh, exactly. I'm just Shivoham. Uh-huh. I'm not hungry. I'm not uh-huh. food. I'm not. Exactly. There was, there was 108 mm-hmm. something. What I am not. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's very beautiful. Yeah. And this is exactly it. And the whole process of yoga is actually a process of V-yoga. Well, V-yoga means to know what I am not, to separate from my false identification. So we start to understand, oh, we are not our emotions, as we saw before. Yeah, We were able to see the emotions, but they were coming and going. So I'm not my emotions, I'm not my identification, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And then I realize who I am. And uh, one of the biggest, uh, the greatest uh, yogis, that use this system very strongly that I am what I am not is Ramana Maharishi. Maybe you heard his name. His whole technique, what he taught his students, was to ask uh, who I am. And then I am not the body, I am not the mind, I am not, I am not, I am not, until they have realized that they are the perceivers. John Lennon has also said about this. I don't believe in that and that and I believe in me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh-huh, yes. Okay, so this idea in the four, four, in the first uh, sutras, two, three, and four, the whole idea of what is samadhi and what happens when we are not in samadhi. When we are not, we will always be identified with the different movements of the mind. And then he says um, in Sutra five, he says these different movements of the mind can be enjoyable or can be suffering. Huh? Do you agree? Look at all your thoughts and all your feelings. You can uh, divide them into two. Nice and not nice. Enjoyable and not enjoyable. Okay? And like this, life goes, not a problem. So this is what he says. They can be from two types, either nice or not nice, or enjoyable and not enjoyable. This is in Sutra 5. And then in Sutra 6, he says, uh, he gives uh, the different movements of the mind. We're not going to go deep into that, but he says, uh, the things that color the mind or the things that make the vrittis are of five different things, five different categories. And this is very interesting. He says, first category is correct knowledge. So even correct knowledge, it is something that is different than us. It is something that creates movement in the mind. And then he says also false knowledge and memory and uh, sleep and imagination. All of these things are creating uh, movement in the mind. So for us, what we are learning now is not so uh, uh, important to go deep into that, only to understand that everything, everything, everything that moves the mind is uh, considered uh, something that is different than me. And as long as I can be aware of it, I know that this is some temporary movement. 
and we will see how the whole practice of yoga, uh, and for example, this practice of mindfulness, is directed to put me in a state where I become aware of the different movements of the mind during the whole day. <coughs> Happiness, sadness, content, hunger, this, that, ta-ta-ta-ta, and like this the life goes on, changing and changing and changing. So let's uh, skip this, all this, uh, it gives different explanations to the different movements of the mind, and then we can go, aha, uh -huh. and then he says, how to keep in this state of samadhi? Remember that we said that uh, this state of samadhi, uh, is it uh, some supernatural state? Huh? They taught us like this, all these uh, yoga gurus, but actually this is the natural state of the mind, like the natural state of my car is to work well, the natural state of my computer is to work well, the same goes, the natural way of my mind is to be sattvic, is to work well, but since we have not been maintaining it for all these years, then we have uh, minds not in such a good state and we have to do something to improve them. But he says, when we are in this state, in order to keep this state of samadhi, this chitta vritti niroda, there are two things that we should do to keep this clear state. And this is so important, this is Sutra 1.12. And he says we should do adhyasa and vairadhya. When we understand that, we understand exactly what to do when we practice uh, yoga. Or we can say in every goal that we want to achieve in life, when we understand Abhyasa and Vairagya, we can attain everything that we want in life. Abhyasa is to keep in the same direction. Yeah? Or to keep the practice, to keep the place that I want to go to. This is Abhyasa, to be steady in my effort moving towards my goal. And Vairagya is to let go of whatever is different than this goal. Now imagine you want to go to Helsinki. Yeah? From here to Helsinki. What do you naturally do? You keep the direction towards Helsinki and you give up on going to all the other places which are not Helsinki. Right? And only if you do this you will reach Helsinki. But if on the way you give up the effort to go to Helsinki, you give up the abhyasa, you forget that you want to go to Helsinki, then you will not get there. Or if on the way you don't uh, give up the other places, but you stop in all these other places that are on the way, you are not going to get to Helsinki. So to uh, achieve any goal, we have to put constant effort in attaining it in the direction of the goal, and to give up all the distractions. Is this idea clear? So, when we want to be in a chitta vritti niroda, or in a sattvic state of mind, what do you think is our abhyasa? Hmm? You're very active today. <laughs> we have to keep 
putting effort in attaining this clear state of mind, this steady state of mind. And for example, in this, uh, we saw it when yesterday when we were practicing concentration on one object. Do you remember this effort to bring back, to bring back, to bring back to the breath all the time? I have to keep on doing this all the time. And all these other cravings that I have to listen to the birds, to start imagining whatever, to do other things, I have to let go of them. So together, combining these two efforts to let go by Raja and to be steady in the direction that I want to go will make me achieve this Chitta Vritti Niroda. Understood? Yes? So this is all we have to do. And this is goes to everything you want to attain in life. For example, you have some big project to do. What do you have to do? How are you going to attain this project? According to this, Abhyasa and Vairagya. I must only do it and forget the other things. Good. So whatever I have to do for the project, I'm going to do. And for example, all the fears, insecurity, other cravings, other ideas, I have to let go. And we can see it that every time, or I know it on myself, and every time I have this, uh, some big project coming, so I'm doing all the actions for the project, but then on the way there are so many voices in my head saying, oh, you cannot do it, oh, why do you bother, blah, 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 you should do it, you should not do it, there's more interesting things to do. And I look at all these things and I say, okay, it's, of course you're going to be there, but I'm not going to give you any attention. I'm keeping my attention on doing the actions that I want, and I realize that, uh, yes, usually I manage to do the things that I want to do. Clear? This idea. Very important sutra. I'd like to Ikea, so you to come inside the Ikea. <laughs> so there are ropes, so there are lots of things. Yes. Uh, when I go there, I go very... <laughs> you can't. You can't. <laughs> Just follow the road and you get out of there. <laughs> Depends on how many things on the way. You must put like this. Yeah, only for what you want. You want the lamp? Go to the lamp. So then uh, in Sutra 113, it gives a, a description of what is Abhyasa. And he says, Abhyasa is the sustained effort to remain where we want or to go to where we want. So in this <coughs> Samadhi, if I want to attain, if I want to stay in Samadhi, my Abhyasa is on what? <coughs> Staying in Samadhi. Okay? Keeping the mind directed and clear. Okay? Not letting it go with two other things. Uh, and then he says something nice in uh, Sutra number 14 he says uh, this practice is nourished and becomes more uh, strong when it uh, is accompanied with endurance perseverance, positive actions and intense enthusiasm well, of course this is very clear, he just gives us uh, just uh, nourish yourself with all these qualities that are going to help you in the way to uh, stay in this state uh, and then he gives a description of what is Vairagya in Sutra number 15. And he says, Vairagya is, um, is achieved when I am fully aware, when I am fully aware, and 
In full awareness, the desire for sensory objects and for subtle enjoyments that we have heard or but never experienced have disappeared. Okay, so I am aware of these different uh, things that I want to do. For example, when I am concentrating on one object, I can see a thought coming and I can see that I have the desire to continue thinking about what I have to do tomorrow. Or I have the desire to open my eyes. Or suddenly I become hungry and I want to imagine what is there for lunch. And I see all these things, I am aware of them, I see them, but with full awareness I decide not to touch them, not to give them attention. And I continue to do my abhyasa. Okay, so like this, you can be aware in your life of all the distraction. You don't need to stop them. See that they are there, but don't attach yourself to them. Continue to go. If we look at the whole thing from this point of view, what is our vairagya? What do we don't want to touch? What we don't want to follow? We don't want to follow the movements of the mind and we don't want to follow the tamasic state of the mind, the sleepiness or the tiredness or this uh, darkness of the mind. Okay, so we see them and we continue towards the sattva state. Um, maybe it's worth saying that uh, uh, in the yoga process we do, we try to keep actions in our daily life, actions that have a quality of sattva, that create sattvic mind. Can you think about actions that create sattvic state of mind? Music. Okay. Some kind of music. Yes, okay. yes. Not okay, I there are some kinds of things, sensory things, that can create this uh, more static state, less movement in the mind. For example, uh, going to nature, listening to some kind of music, some kind of food, okay, different things. And I, st I try to avoid actions that create all these rajas and tamas in the mind. Can you give an example of these things? Punk, punk music. <laughs> <laughs> For example, uh, going to a discotheque or using drugs or drinking, mm. heavy drinking, um, a lot of sleep creates this. Mm -hmm. okay, so there are many things that will create more tamasic and rajasic mind. So when I do, when I want to stay in samadhi, when I want to keep the movement of the mind low, then I stick to sattvic actions and I uh, let go on rajasic and tamasic actions. Um, so this is about uh, this. And then... Um, uh, okay, let's go. And then there is a, what is called Paravairagya. This is in Sutra 16. This is an interesting concept. The complete kaivalya, the complete release from the mind, is attained when we are uh, letting go even of sattva. Why do we let go even of sattva? In the beginning we want to uh, attain sattva to help us know the nature of things. But after that, the last, last, last goal of yoga, the last step, uh, step uh, this uh, step that the Bhagavad Gita is talking about, is to let go of even sattva, even the 
the mind itself and to understand that uh, we don't even need the mind, that we are completely different than the mind, there is no more knowledge that we want to take. But this is the last step of yoga for us. Now this is not so important, but he says it here, he says it like this, in Sutra 16, he says, uh, among, among these uh, different levels of attachment, the, uh, the, this attachment, vairagya, the paravairagya, the highest uh, non-attachment, is the absence of interest in all the qualities of nature, uh, thanks to the realization of pure consciousness. So when we completely realize who we are, we don't even need this clear state of mind. So we are not attached even to this. And then we go beyond completely to only being established on who we are, and we don't even need the instrument anymore. This is the highest state of kaivalya, of release. But uh, for us now, in our journey, it is better if we focus on this developing the sattva, developing the chitta vritti nirodaha. So we will have a mind that we can use in this life. But some people, they come to the world with one desire, not to get another body, not to get another instrument, not to get another mind. And then they practice in this life also the paravairagya, the let go of even the, the need to know they let go of it completely. This is the highest form. Questions? <coughs> okay, and then uh, he continues in chapter one, uh, talking about different realizations or different states of samadhi. It's not so important for us now. What is important is uh, Sutra 21, chapter one, Sutra 21. And this is very important, and he says, Self-realization is near for those seekers whose involvement is intense and enthusiastic. Okay? To achieve this goal of yoga is near. It is not something for the special ones. It is something for all of us. It is near. It is very near. If we are uh, intense in our effort and enthusiastic about it, have you been thinking like this about yoga? Tapas. Hmm? Yeah, to put a constant effort. Yeah. yeah, but the important thing is that this is something for all of us. This is not only for these yogis who go into the cave or that uh, dress in orange uh, robes or things like this. That. Saavutettavissa jokaiselle meistä se ei ole vain joidenkin tiettyjen harvojen valittujen oikeus, vaan se on jokaisen saavutettavissa, jos tekee harjoitusta innostuneesti ja sitoutuneesti, niin on mahdollista päästä tähän ihan jokaisen meistä. And there is a reason why this uh, thing is uh, approachable or accessible to all of us. You don't need to be a special one for this. Um, the yoga, as we said, uh, sees the mind as an instrument. And like any other instrument, it is made for us to use. And it is like any other instrument has its way to function. Like my car functions well, my uh, phone functions well. The mind is also capable of functioning well. This is not for only the chosen one. This is the basic state. 
But in order for an instrument to um, function well or for me to use it well, I have to learn how to use it. For example, uh, if you have a car, did you need to take uh, driving lessons? Yes, of course. And it is only after you took driving lessons then you were, that you were able to drive the car. When you just, uh, before you took driving lessons or in your first driving lessons, did it seem complicated or easy to drive? Yeah. It seemed complicated and scary. And you say, oh my God, what is this thing? So in the beginning, when we start to practice this uh, samadhi, it seems like this is impossible. But if we take enough driving lessons or enough yoga lessons, we will realize that this is something easy. The car was designed in a way that a human being will be able to drive it. Right? Imagine somebody designed a car that it will be impossible to drive. Does this make sense? No. Okay. If you look at all the instruments that you are using in your life, the computer, the cell phone, the spaceships, even the most compli complicated and sof uh, sophisticated spaceship, is it designed in a way that it will be easy to drive or difficult to drive? What do you think? The most sophisticated spaceship. Huh? They want the astronauts to be able to fly the spaceship or not to be able? No, it's going to be designed in a way that it is possible to uh, use the spaceship. So it doesn't matter how sophisticated it is, driving the spaceship is going to be easy. The same goes with the mind. It doesn't matter how sophisticated the mind is, using the mind is easy. But we need to get the instructions. And the whole idea of yoga, yoga is like the instruction book, this uh, manual that, uh, that teaches you how to operate this instrument that uh, is called the mind. And I have a nice story with a washing machine that uh, I uh, bought a washing machine and uh, it came very nice washing machine, but everything the, on the washing machine and the manual was in uh, Polish. So, uh, was the washing machine useful for me? Huh? No, I didn't know what to do with it until I got the instructions in Hebrew or in English. Okay? So, the same goes with the mind. Today, the mind is not accessible for us because we never got the instructions of how to use it. Or we got some very confused and unclear instructions. But the minute we get the clear instructions of how to, using, how to use the mind, and these clear instructions are yoga, this is the manual of how to use the mind, the minute we get it and we put it into practice, we will realize that using the mind is actually very, very easy. And uh, then we start to use it and we can achieve whatever we want in this life. And the yoga says... Uh, when we are the one that uh, operate the mind, when we are the masters of the mind, then the mind is a very useful tool. But when we are not the masters of the mind and the mind is mastering us, then we are in big, big trouble. <laughs> and so it is only the whole process of yoga is the process of to learn how to use your mind. And this is for everybody. This is possible and easy to do. So uh, we have to sometimes give up the idea that this is something only for the special ones. No, this is something for all of us. In uh, 24 driving lessons, you can uh, learn how to drive your mind very, very easily. You must also keep on driving, because if you don't drive, 
Then the next time, if you have not driven for a long time, you are not going to forget how to drive, only that you will feel a little bit insecure in the beginning. So it's like riding a bicycle. Mm. Yeah, so the same goes. Of course, if for a long time I was not mastering my mind, in the beginning I would say, oh, this is impossible. But immediately, uh, after s- very quickly, I will again uh, regain the abilities to do it. Mm. And uh, so it is very nice, it is uh, worthwhile to put some effort with enthusiasm to learn how to drive the mind. And the minute you do it, you will have the most powerful tool to help you Uh, to achieve whatever you want in this life and it will stop being a source of misery it will start to be a source of great joy and a source of uh, to do whatever you want in this life questions? any more? I'm happy everybody is very enthusiastic (laughs) okay And then in uh, Sutra 22, it says, according to the effort put, if it is mild or moderate or strong, like this will be the results. So, of course, if I go from here to Helsinki and I am uh, not stopping on the way, I'm going to reach very quickly. But if I stop on the way here and there, it will take me more time. Eventually, I will get there. And if I am very lazy, then it will take me more time, but I will still be there if I am constant in my effort. And this is exactly what they said. So according to the effort you put, this is how um, quickly you are going to uh, learn how to uh, control your mind. So you can look in your own practice how much effort you put and you will see how you advance. Uh, and then, uh, then in chapter 1 he continues to talk about uh, more uh, techniques how to stay in this samadhi, how to help to stay in this samadhi. For us, it is not so interesting now. Um, what is uh, interesting is if we go to Sutra number 30, and then he talks uh, many times, they translate it as the obstacles on the way. And he says, uh, he gives a list of different obstacles. But actually, uh, these are not obstacles, but this is a uh, these are signs that we are on the way, that we are making an effort. And we are going to uh, come across different things. It's like, uh, imagine you are, going to, uh, you are going to climb the Everest. So on your way to the Everest, you are going to go through different things. In some state, you are going to feel tired. And in some state, you are going to feel, oh, you cannot do it. And in some state, you are going to feel that... Um, Oh, maybe I should go back down. You're going to have uh, doubt. All these things, are they obstacles or are they signs that says that you're actually doing the effort? Hmm? If you only stay on the couch thinking, I want to go to the Everest, are you going to be tired? No. Are you going to have doubt if you should go back down? No. It is only because you are doing the journey that you are going to experience different things on the way. So this is how we should read this sutra, number 30. And we said, we are going on the way, we are going to meet different things when we practice the yoga. Sometimes we are going to uh, meet some uh, inability, some disease. Uh, it's called, we call it viadi, or some feeling that we are not uh, completely connected to ourselves. This can be a feeling on the way. 
and then we can uh, have mental fatigue on the way. Like we're climbing the Everest, I'm going to have uh, physical fatigue, tiredness. The same when I'm practicing to stay in Samadhi, I'm going to feel in some point that my mind is tired, that it cannot hold it, and then I can rest. Uh, we can have doubt on the way. Is this the right way? Is it going to give me what I want? Am I doing the effort right? Um, we can have uh, some kind of a uh, little bit to be hasty, to want to see the results already. Or we want to have, uh, again, some kind of different, uh, like laziness. Or uh, um, uh, wish to do something else, desire to do something else and not to continue this journey. Yeah, you imagine you're climbing the Everest and then you want pizza. You know, and then you start to think about the pizza and you're going to go down to eat pizza. Yeah, so this is something that can come on the way, of course. And then uh, um, we can have uh, different uh, ideas on the way. For example, imagine again that you're climbing the Everest and then you say, oh, should I go from here or from here? Maybe this is not the right way to go. And you start to have like different illusions concerning the way. So this also can happen many times in the practice of yoga. We start to ask, is this the right way? Maybe I should go to Buddhism. Maybe I should go to a psychologist. Maybe I should try different things. But we have to continue. These things can come. And then we can uh, sometimes uh, feel that we cannot take another step. And we cannot take another step and continue the way. And this is okay. Of course, we can feel sometimes like this. And if you are on climbing the Everest and you feel like this, what are you going to do? Hmm? You're going to either continue, because if you stop, you're going to freeze to death. Or if you can, you can take five minutes break and then you will have to continue. But this feeling that I cannot go on is always there when we try to reach big, big purposes. So same goes when we try to stay in the state of uh, samadhi. And sometimes I will feel that I cannot sustain it anymore. Uh, then again, I can feel some kind of instability or uh, that I cannot stay in this place. I've come so high and I cannot uh, uh, keep this uh, place and uh, many times we see it in the journey that if we try to um, keep going too fast, then we cannot stay there. And this is why, for example, when climbing the Everest, they have these different uh, camps on the way to get adjusted for the, the feeling of this uh, thing and to stay there. The same goes when we practice. We have to see that we give our time to get accustomed to the different uh, phases of the way. And if I try too fast to reach all the way I will realize that I cannot stay there. So all these things are only signs that we are advancing in the way. So don't look at them as obstacles, but they only tell you that, yes, you are doing an effort. And one very important thing that is not mentioned here, but I find it when I, uh, on myself. Many times when we want to make some change in the quality of the mind or in the quality of uh, our life, the first thing that I will uh, encounter is uh, this feeling of um, rejection, of, uh, uh, what is the word? Like, uh, this, uh, yeah, like I am opposing this idea, I cannot, the, like resistance, yeah, resistance. To this, uh, for example, I want to start running 
uh, no, I want to do my, start to do my daily uh, yoga practice at home. And then I only think about starting the practice and I feel resistance inside of me to the idea of practicing now. Do you know this uh, feeling? What is it? Finish. Resistance. Okay. I want to start a diet and then I feel this resistance inside of me. Okay. Many times when we want to do something, the first thing we come across is resistance. But this resistance is not a, an obstacle. It is only means that I have started to make change. For example, uh, if I put my finger here and now I start to move it, the first thing that I will feel is the resistance of the floor. You know, it is. But this resistance is a result of the movement that I'm trying to do. It is not an obstacle in itself. So many times I instruct my students: you will feel first the resistance. Don't pay attention to it. Continue to do what you want. What is promised? What will happen to this resistance? It goes away. It goes away. Why? And because it is temporary in nature. It will be there every time you want to make a change. And you can see it. As long as I sit on the sofa and eat pizza, there is no resistance. I can watch TV all day. But the minute I think of taking a walk outside, immediately resistance comes. And it only means that, yes, I'm starting to make a change. And then there is this resistance. But then I have to put my mind in what I want to do and the resistance will go away. This is very important thing to keep in mind. You are like safe if you sit on the sofa, but when you think to do mm -hmm. something else, you are not anymore so safe. Uh -huh, yes, and many people think that if they feel resistance, they cannot do it. It mm -hmm. means they cannot do it, they are not ready to do it. But no, it only means that you have been thinking of doing something, or you have started to do something. And then he says, all these obstacles, if you want to go, uh, all these uh, signs of efforts, if you want to be able to continue the way, he says uh, in Sutra 32, something very important, he says, to avoid them or not to let them become obstacles, uh, just keep abhyasa, <laughs> just keep going in the direction of your goal. Right? Just don't, don't let them distract you, just keep going to the peak of the Everest and you will get there. But if you start messing with all these different sensations and ideas on the way, you are not going to go there. You are not going to get to your goal. So in everything that you want to do in your life, whether it is to attain Samadhi or to uh, reach some other goal, whatever comes on the way, don't pay attention to it. Just keep your mind on the goal and make the effort, make the abhyasa the constant effort to go there and you will see that you can achieve everything that you want. Questions? Nice, no? Uh, yes, five minutes and we are finished. <laughs> A little bit more effort. <laughs> okay, so this is um, this and then we go to Sutra 41. Let's see what is there. And then he says, what happens when we do all these things, when we are steady in the practice and when we do this uh, vairagya? And he says, when ag agitation is settled in the mind, the mind becomes more relaxed, it becomes similar to a flawless jewel. It becomes transparent. It doesn't have any coloring. Uh, well, establishing this, like ointment, uh, 
that um, it brings up uh, complete knowledge of what there is. It shows the things as they are. So many times in the yoga they like to give a, an example of a crystal. It becomes clear and then when you put it, for example, on a red flower, it will show the flower as it is. It is not going to distort the flower. So imagine the whole life we are going to view the life from our mind. So when our mind is in the state of Samadhi, then I, it is not going to distort the vision and I'm going to see life as it is. And when I see life as it is, I realize that all life is here to support my journey. All life is here to help me evolve. Life is not here to harm me. Life is not here to make it difficult. But everything becomes a source of uh, something that can help me on the way, something that I can learn from. And yeah, many things uh, change when we start to see things as they are. And then we go to 48. And then if we have all this uh, nice uh, mind, it says in 48, then appeared, appears the wisdom bearing absolute truth. So we start to see the things as they are, not as we think they are, not subjective perception, but the things as they are. And it says in 49, because this is so deep, then this is, um, experience is different than things that I have heard or been told, but this is direct experience. Uh, I see finally the things as they are. It is different than other uh, ways of learning. So and the whole yoga is based upon this uh, direct experience. Not only things that I have heard, but direct experience through the clear mind. And uh, it says from this, what all the other impressions that I have on my subjective experience of the world will disappear. And I will start to perceive the world as it is. Uh, and then uh, we, in 51, it says we will reach a state where, uh, of total clarity. Okay, there will be no more any, um, again, any subjective ideas of the world. Today we have many subjective ideas. This is good, this is bad, I like this, I don't like this, this is how we perceive the world. But when we have this total clarity, we will see only the things as they are without, uh, without creating in us any kind of impression. And not through our mind, but clear uh, sight. And this is the idea of the uh, first chapter. What happens in the state of Samadhi. Nice? Nice. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> okay? And uh, we're going to take a break, and in the afternoon we still have to cover all the rest oh, yeah. and, and see what goes on there. So. 15 minutes break.